Free Talk Live, seven nights a week from 7 to 10 Eastern, live on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. Now, it was a little while back uh, that there was, was a news story broken that was scandalous. Big news, the fast and the furious, and I'm not talking about Paul Walker dying in a fiery explosion. Uh, we're talking about the the one that had to do with um, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, ostensibly providing, uh, well, firearms to criminal gangs. There's more to that story coming out of theblaze.com. From John Dodson, who was the federal agent who blew the lid off of the Justice Department's fast and furious gun-walking scandal, as it was called, he claims the FBI had ties to the men who killed U.S. Border Patrol agent Brian Terry in 2010 near Nogales, Arizona. In fact, Dodson says the Mexican bandits who gunned down Agent Terry were in fact working for FBI operatives and had been sent to the border to do what was called a drug ripoff using intelligence gathered by the DEA. So there's a lot of uh, complexity to that statement there. The suggestion being that this agent for the Border Patrol ended up being gunned down because of an act that was planned partially by the DEA and the FBI working in concert with Mexican dr- a, you know, a Mexican drug cartel to where they would you know, instructed, hey, there's a... There's a shipment of drugs, and you can steal it. So why wouldn't the DEA or the FBI just come out and tell us, the American people, what went wrong in that circumstance? Well, they obviously don't want to reveal the information that would make it clear that they're involved in drug running, not just gun running. And incompetent drug running. Yeah. Dodson is a special agent with the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, and he said he doesn't think the FBI was part of the ripoff crew, but that the agency was directing the ripoff crew. The explosive claims were made in an interview with the Arizona Republic this week and are already creating some waves across the Internet. Allegations are also found in his recently released book, The Unnamed Truth, which chronicles his role as a whistleblower during Operation Fast and Furious. The Obama administration apparently unsuccessfully tried to block the publication of his book. According to the azcentral.com interview on Fast and Furious, Terry, this is the guy who was shot, uh, Terry and killed, belonged to an elite Border Patrol tactical team sent to a remote area known as Peck Canyon, roughly a dozen miles northwest of Nogales, where violence had escalated because criminal gangs were stealing narcotics from drug runners known as mules. He was slain in a shootout with several bandits. Two assault-type rifles found at the scene were subsequently traced to the Fast and the Furious operation, which uh, was based in Phoenix and launched in 2009 to identify and prosecute drug lords, but instead allowed guns to be walked into the hands of Mexican cartels or criminals. ATF agents encouraged licensed firearm dealers in Arizona to sell more than 2,000 weapons to known straw buyers who were working for the cartels. Instead of arresting the suspects immediately, surveillance agents took notes and then let the uh, men disappear with the guns. After the Terry slaying and attempted cover-up within the Justice Department, Agent Dodson provided evidence and testimony to Congress. His revelations, later verified by an Office of the Inspector General's report, ignited a national scandal over Fast and Furious that resulted in a congressional contempt citation against Attorney Attorney General Eric Holder and the replacement of top ATF and Justice Department officials. Well, that solves the problem. We've replaced the uh, justice officials that were at the top of the agencies. We've given a naughty boy to Attorney... Eric Holder got a demerit. (laughs) Yep, and there you go. Brush your hands of this one, boys. Uh, Problem solved. 
You know, wasn't that the whole justification for the Department of Homeland Security, though, is so all these departments could talk to each other and things like this wouldn't happen? <laughs> well, they've only, I mean, that's what oh, they told us. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They've only had 12 years to get this together. <laughs> I mean, it took what? It took almost two decades for the FBI to get email. Well, uh, this is a government bureaucracy, and there is nothing in the world more efi- inefficient than a government bureaucracy. They're still using floppy disks over at the FBI. Well, no, to be fair, it's probably a true statement. It is um, a true statement. To, to be fair... There are agencies talking. The FBI and the DEA were the ones who set up this uh, rip-off deal, and apparently the Border Patrol didn't get the memo on it. Uh, so after the Terry slang here, let's see. So this guy opened up. He told Congress about this. In his book, Dodson uses cautious language to characterize his account of circumstances surrounding Agent Terry's death, saying the information is based on firsthand knowledge, personal opinion, and press reports. He asserts the DEA had information about and may have orchestrated a large drug shipment through Peck Canyon on that December night. He alleges that DEA agents shared that intelligence with FBI counterparts who advised criminal informants from another cartel that the load would be theirs for the taking. Dodson laid out a strategy in which federal law enforcement agencies like the FBI allow criminal activity in order to increase the clout of FBI informants embedded within cartel organizations. Well, that's an interesting reason to allow it to happen, but we do know there is no doubt at all that policing agencies across the board allow people to commit crimes and stack up crimes so that they can have a larger amount of crimes as a conviction. So, you know, they'll rather than getting a person with one sales of drugs, they'll let them sell many sales of drugs. Our friend Rich Paul uh, had four sales of cannabis. In in four different situations? Yes. So um, you have four different situations piled up rather than one particular instance. And I think what people believe is, is that if you commit a crime and that crime is so bad that we can't have that in society, that a law enforcement officer would step in and arrest that person immediately. And that's not the way it goes. It doesn't go that way. And so, I mean, I wouldn't doubt for a second that this is true, that they, in fact, allow crimes to go essentially pile up to increase the cloud of an informant, too. They want it to stick. They don't want the charges to be dropped. I mean, that's why they do this. Well, and how long does it go on for, though? And how many people's lives are being put in jeopardy? Because presumably the reason to do this, right, from their perspective is, well, we've got this informant. He's working his way up through the ranks. We've got to give him clout. He's got to look like he's a real deal. So let him orchestrate some drug deals. Let him move up, get closer to the, the men at the top, that kind of thing. They wouldn't want to put their informant's life in jeopardy, but apparently they don't mind putting the uh, the agent's life in jeopardy. The Border Patrol agents in this case, you know, this Brian Terry had uh, no idea what was going on in this circumstance. Well, that's incompetence, not uh, by design, right? Well, why don't why don't they? You know, if if what they're doing here is infiltrating an organization, I guess the reason why they wouldn't give a heads up to the border patrol is because maybe they know that there's agents from the cartels in the border patrol, and they're going to hear that hey, there's this you know, well, ripoff going to go down, and so they don't want to tell too many people about it. So they end up getting their own agents killed as a result of not communicating. One thing's for sure is loose lips sink ships, and when you're running operations like this, you want as few people as possible yeah. involved. Really, the only solution here is what free talk live has been saying for more than a decade is the problems the gun the drug war well yeah and the war the drug war empowers these cartels it incentivizes law enforcement officers to infiltrate and 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 do these kind of things 
And, and innocent people get killed. Right, and results in dead cops as well, and innocent people yeah. uh, being killed. You know, town towns members and family members of police and things like that. These are the people who, in a lot of cases, will suffer the consequences from uh, drug cartels threatening officers. Look, you'll either take – look, Officer Edge – you're the one man standing between us and uh, moving a load of 3,000 kilograms of cocaine across the border. Now, look, we understand that uh, you're hard to, hard man to buy. We've got $50,000 for you to look the other way, or we're killing your wife. Well, 50000 sounding pretty good right about now. You got a kid? You want to put her through college? This could help you with that. Just take the money, look the other way, and your family will be safe. College is getting expensive this uh, these, this time. Yeah, 855 <laughs> for you. you trying to get 100000 out of them? I'll take eighty. Yeah, so they're saying that the NSA is actually intercepting mail and um, inserting backdoors into hardware to spy on people. Right. And we'll find out more about this. But first of all, I just want to say, with a story like this, if you're still saying, oh, you libertarians, you're crazy. Nobody's spying on you. Come on, you're just paranoid. If you're still saying that, no, I'm sorry. The the crazy libertarians are right. <laughs> you're only paranoid if you're wrong. That's Mark's favorite expression. <laughs> right. It's, it's a really a fascinating uh, statement, right? Yes. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're wrong about what people might be doing to you, you're a paranoiac. Yes. If you're right, I mean, you know, uh, two years ago, if you would have said the NSA is logging and storing Every piece of electronic communication that goes on in the United States, you would have been a paranoid nut job. But Today, they were doing it two years everybody ago. knows it's true. Yeah, and they were doing it. They've been doing it for years, apparently. So who's paranoid now? Right. Who's the chicken little? <laughs> right. So and anyway, um, the other thing I wanted to point out about this story is if you or I did that, if you or I were stopping a mail truck or if you or I were, were opening packages packages at usps or something yeah this is illegal Th- activity this would by the be way. called mail fraud you'd be slapped with so many it uh, is illegal charges. activity they're not supposed to be going through things like that yeah but they just do right well uh, that just shows there's one set of rules for the rest of us and another set of rules well, for them it goes to show the fallacy i think mostly the fallacy of the rule of law because there are a lot of people oh, i was yeah. one of them I really was. Look, you got to write the rules down on pieces of paper so the people know what the rules are. We all follow the rules, and then you've got the rule of law. It's a pretty good concept if the government was run by angels. Yeah. (laughs) But that's the problem, is that there hasn't been a government ever in the history of man, 9,000 years, that has ever followed its own rules. So what the hell makes you think the rule of law is possible? They call me an idealist because I believe people should be able to pick which government they want that makes me an idealist and a nut job and you know that i've got a crazy view of the world but uh, they you know these folks they believe in the rule of law that's nuts that's the crazy position the nuts part is is that you know that the chief of police in your town doesn't get speeding tickets yeah Yeah, and it goes against all the evidence it's plain as day you can see there's no rule it's as plain as the nose on your face there's no doubt about it don't want to see it all right now hold on this wouldn't have happened a hundred years ago. Nobody would have gone through the mail. Not someone at the government or anything. Well, oh, wait actually, a minute. There was a. What uh, about a guy named Comstock? Comstock. So <laughs> Brian and I have been watching a documentary series called "How Sex Changed the World." Fantastic. I I learned a lot from it. There was a guy who was the Anthony postal, Comstock, the postal commissioner in uh, 
Actually, I think it was a federal government job. But yeah, he, he was, was the U.S. Postal Inspector. Or the Postmaster General. That's what it was. He was a Postmaster General. And he was a not only a chronic masturbator, apparently, and couldn't hmm. couldn't stop, like hmm. could, was addicted to it, hmm. but he was he became this like anti-porn crusader. And Always because, the case, right? Yeah, yes. because he was concerned, because at the time, the, the going science was is that masturbation would kill you yeah, it's uh, bad. eventually. You know, it's a very unhealthy thing. And so he needed to <laughs> eliminate, to. in this country, he needed to eliminate all the sources, uh, uh, all the, he need, he need to get rid of, he need to get rid of all the uh, uh, fat material. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and... And so he became, you know, the the postmaster general. He went into Congress and he um, he basically like shamed them into passing this law and said, you know, there's this obscene material that's going through the mail. And he's talking about erotic stories and photographs, pictures and even things like birth control advice. There was a woman who published a pamphlet about birth control and he got her uh, convicted and she got five years in jail or something. Oh, some of these people committed suicide. Yeah, and she actually committed suicide. Over over this guy, and he was, yeah, he was happy He was bragging that he drove people to suicide. Okay, all right, now granted, this guy's like a nut from, from, you know, 100 years ago. But he was the postmaster general. Yeah, yeah. I know, but but, okay, but the NSA's different. You know, they wouldn't, (laughs) if they went through the mail, they wouldn't be going looking for your sexy stuff or wanting to, like, spy on you with things. Oh, wait a minute. I mean, they're the NSA, wait a minute, J. Edgar Hoover. Yeah, he had a file on everybody. The sex files. Yep. You know, and he would have loved this sort of thing j edgar hoover was the director of the what the cia or something he this, was, he, this guy was like a little troll that was in office for 40 freaking years yeah <laughs> and he had a sex file on every politician in washington and he had more power than anyone as a result of that because he could shame people into this is what scares me about the nsa though yep um, right like, like j edgar hoover did it right he used his position correctly because power is a corrupt thing mm-hmm. so he did he, you know he ta- he uses this information and he gets what he wants i think the nsa can do the same thing they've got the emails and the communications and the texts of politicians and you know they're humping all over the place um you know the the the, the corporate guys and they're oh, yeah. you know, where they flying out to on their junkets and what they're doing Look, fellas, your wives are going to find out about this. Your stockholders are going to find out about this unless you do what we say. This is what concerns me the most. Sure, and and the, I mean that's the point I want to bring up in mentioning these these you know uh, these bad actors from the past is that this is okay. Yes, it's new and how it's being done, but in attitude, it's not new at all. Yeah, we've and the seen United this movie States before. never, ever, ever cared about your privacy never cared about you know any of this stuff in fact it wasn't until 1967 not not a lot of people know this it wasn't until 1967 that the supreme court of the united states of america said okay yes you have the right to privacy the fourth amendment was written you know however long ago and but it wasn't officially recognized until 1967 that's just what 40 50 Mm. years ago you cannot Tell me that, oh, at one point, America was a phenomenal country. It had great values. The hell it did. Yeah, that's right. BS. It never those people, did. That's those are people that watched Happy Days. And oh, that was yeah. a really great show. There's no doubt about it. But sure, I love it's the fictional. And let's be clear that in every... Uh, governments grow, so I'll give it to you that there was probably less corruption simply because it wasn't as large. I think the biggest problem with the United States government is that it is the most efficient government the world's ever seen. 
and I hate using the term government inefficiency in the same sentence, but most governments are inefficient messes that can really only stumble over themselves and hassle a small amount of people, whereas the United States government, they, they can hassle millions at once. Mm. And that's the biggest problem, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Brian, I like what you often say about, you know, hey, the only way you can really defend yourself is to normalize some of these things because everybody's a freak. Everybody does. Yeah, no, that that is it. That is it. You have to stop the judgments, the the societal personal judgments, not the judgment in court, the judgment of of your neighbor. I guess they could always uh, make something up and say you have child porn or something like that, which is sure. There's never going to be normalizing that. And not that I would advocate it either. But but about uh, affairs, about multiple partners, about homosexuality, who cares? That should be normal. You know what? But someone's going to call in and say, well, why? If you don't like it, why don't you leave? No. Have you seen what the U.S. foreign policy does? You'll be dead inside of five minutes. Wedding party or anything. Well, I, uh, I think you'll probably survive. Hey, what else I want to tell you about? Cashintocoins.com. Uh, you can go to cashintocoins.com if you've been looking to get Bitcoins. You've got your Bitcoin wallet, and we'll tell you, if you don't have a Bitcoin wallet, we'll tell you how to get one of those later. But if you've got a Bitcoin wallet and you're ready to put some uh, Bitcoins in there, you can go to cashintocoins.com. It's so easy, safe, it's fast, legal, and it's inexpensive. The rates are fantastic, and their customer service is top priority. Now, it's a simple process. You go down to the bank of your choice. It doesn't have to be a bank where you have an account. You're going to deposit into Cash in a Coins account at Wells Fargo, Bank of America, or any credit union with shared branching. So when you go to cashintocoins.com, you select your choice. You then go, you deposit the cash, and then send a picture of your receipt to Cash in a Coins. They will then send you your Bitcoins, usually within one business day. So cash... I've done this. You've done this? I have, yes. Yeah, so... Um, I mean, I put uh, quite a bit of money at risk uh, doing it. I did it without letting the folks at cashintocoins.com know that I was doing it. I wanted to have it as uh, genuine of a uh, of a transaction as possible. And uh, so, yeah. When you say at risk, you got to trust these guys, right? Is that to some saying? extent, that's the way it goes. You have to make the deposit in the bank account. And that's and one of the... Yeah. And, and I, there, there have cropped up... This is one of the reasons I like cash into coins is I've tried them. Other people I know have tried them. They've always come through, and customer service is their top priority. There are people out there that are trying to get you to wire money to them, and they say, we'll send you bitcoins. If you're wiring money to somebody in uh, you know, the, the Russia or uh, Nigeria, it's Good kind luck. of it's difficult to know whether or not you're going to get your bitcoins. Yeah, these guys have been uh, our cust- our customers, our listeners have uh, reported some very positive experiences. Cashintocoins.com. <laughs> Daryl, you had a story that you wanted to share with us about an, a very interesting sounding series, television series coming up on the BBC about dolphins. And I I saw this news story earlier today. I marked this thing. I want to make sure I find this to download and watch. This sounds fascinating. Yeah, so what I actually found, I didn't know until I got almost all the way through the article that it was done for a BBC television series. Mm -hmm. Apparently, dolphins have found a way to get high in the middle of the ocean. And no, they didn't find some, like, sea cannabis and roll it up and find some lighter that works under sea that they can flip with their dorsal fin. Uh, apparently some, uh, documentarians got these spy bots and went out and filmed dolphins. So I looked at some of the footage of this today. There's only a little bit available, but it shows one of the spy bots. Did you see the turtle? 
I saw the turtle. I didn't watch the video, though. So they have a basically just a robotic turtle that's a video camera or more than one camera, uh, you know, HD quality video that just kind of floats along and they can move the neck actually above water and they can move it below the water as well. So, you know, you can get the dolphins in kind of both places if they're swimming along at the top of the the ocean, you can get them there. And it seems like a pretty versatile uh, tool for this purpose. And the dolphins are not threatened by the camera at all. They are totally fine with it being there. And so... Apparently, it's a really it's an interesting look into dolphin behavior that maybe has they claim hasn't been captured before. So the article here from the UK Independent says, in an extraordinary scene filmed for a new documentary, young dolphins were seen carefully manipulating a certain kind of puffer fish, which, if provoked, releases a nerve toxin. Though large doses of the toxin can be deadly. In small amounts, it is known to produce a narcotic effect, and the dolphins appeared to have worked out how to make the fish release just the right amount. Carefully chewing on the puffer and passing it between one another, the marine mammals Don't bogart the puffer. then enter what seems to be a trance-like state. The behavior was captured on camera by the makers of Dolphins, Spy in the Pod, a series for the BBC One by award-winning wildlife documentarian John Downer. Isn't it fascinating? <laughs> I just love puff, it. Puff, puff, and pass. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Does the does the puffer fish die? No, it doesn't. Most say. of the time, apparently, they're carefully manipulating it. If you if you read into the words, it's suggesting that they're they're keeping it alive. They're just setting off its pufferness or whatever, so it's got the the, the, the toxin the response, and the toxins are absorbed by the dolphin, and then they pass it along to the next dolphin. So a zoologist. Who... I bet those puffers are mad every time they see a dolphin. <laughs> Maybe the puffers maybe get the puffers. some kind of high from it as well. No, maybe the puffer is grateful that it's not dead. <laughs> yeah. These young dolphins. <laughs> a zoologist who worked as a producer on the series said, this is a case of young dolphins purpose, purposely oh, okay. so, so they are experimenting with something we know to be intoxicating. After chewing the puffer gently... And passing it around, they began acting most peculiar, hanging around with their noses at the surface as if fascinated by their own reflections. (laughs) It reminded me of the craze a few years ago when people started licking toads to get a buzz, especially the way they hung there in a daze afterwards. It was the most extraordinary thing to see. Pass the puffer on the left-hand side. <laughs> now, this is fascinating, and I wonder how in-depth uh, in they get into the series. The series hasn't come out yet, this uh, Dolphin Spy in the Pod. It's coming out on the 2nd of January. So, I mean, I've, I've marked my calendar. I'm very interested in seeing this. Cause yeah, you're not going to miss it. I, number one, I, uh, I like the idea of altering one's state of consciousness, and I think we discussed yes, this to some do. extent on the weekend, but yeah, I think we really did. I think it's, uh, it's I think it's interesting. It's validated here by the animal kingdom, and it brings up interesting questions because dolphins have a very social order. You know, they're a very social creature. They're always around one another, and there's a lot to that uh, interaction. So, 
do dolphins have the same, you know, is there the same mentality amongst dolphins as there is amongst humans? Are there a group of dolphins that look down their noses, so to speak, at the, <laughs> the uh, other dolphins? The other dolphins and, and who are behavior. getting high over there. You know, does that happen? Are those possibly? Are there those levels of social interactions amongst dolphins? Do, it does uh, using the puffer fish have a negative connotation among some dolphins? You know, how far does uh, does this go, or is it something that dolphins have been doing for hundreds of years? I mean, we don't know how old this this tradition is. It is something that uh, can be shared. Dolphins do train one another and teach one another things. A nice puffer fish cocktail, is that what you're suggesting? There's a fascinating, there are multiple videos, actually, of dolphins out there, and I know I've mentioned this on the show previously, of dolphins that are held in captivity. Now, this doesn't mention if they're in the wild or in captivity, but I imagine they're in the wild. Uh, But dolphins held in captivity... They don't have, I guess, just have enough free time. There's not enough uh, bad creatures around to terrorize them. So they've come up with all kinds of interesting creative things, like how to blow circular, circular bubbles out of their, uh, their blowholes while they're underwater. They can shoot out these rings of bubbles, and it's just amazing to watch it. I mean, it's just absolutely fascinating footage, and they play with them. And they play with these. It's just so beautiful to watch it happen. They're I bet it's not creatures. beautiful if you're a puffer fish. Leave me alone, you, <laughs> you and your meddling <laughs> dolphin kids. Here's a chance to do a little activism while you're cruising Facebook, Twitter, or Google Plus. Between the LOL cats and the recipes, the hot girls, and the inspirational sunrise memes, Free Talk Live's posts pass by your newsfeed. Like them, comment. It gives us more exposure. If you don't see our posts, click like at facebook.freetalklive.com and then hover over it to click get notifications. It's an easy way to spread the ideas of liberty a bit further. I know you're busy, but you can spare that tenth of a calorie it takes to click on something. Facebook.freetalklive.com. So this is the end of an era, guys. Definitely. This is the last... Wait a minute. It's a star- I'm sorry. Sorry ...live to read you. for SACL CAI. What? Jason Osborne. Um, ever or just for 2013? No, for ever. Uh, for ever. Jason Osborne of SACL CAI, who uh, took this show in its infancy, funded it to the point that it is today, uh, has wisely decided that Free Talk Live is, uh, you know doing well enough that he can go on and do other projects. He's been supporting Free Talk Live for more than five years. It might be six. I'd have to do the math. I didn't, I didn't uh, do the math ahead of time. And, uh, you know, what he's decided is that uh, he, there's other projects that he can be involved in. And I, I can't say no. I, do, I want to have him st- stay. I certainly do as the salesperson that gets the commission on the, uh, on the, uh, the ads. I want Jason Osborne to stay. So, but that's, I, I think he's right. I think he's right. So I want to say in this uh, final live read uh, here for, for Jason Osborne, um, thanks to him and uh, his family and Sharon and, and the kids, uh, Aowen and Lysander, uh, for all they've done for Free Talk Live. Uh, thanks to Mike, his dad, uh, who is uh, the patriarch of, of Sickle CAI, um, really put it on the map. Jason took it even further. And uh, what I want to do is I want to name these studios, the studios from which Free Talk Live broadcasts, the Jason Osborne Studios. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. Um, it's because, I, I mean, you know, not too many times does an advertiser leave and I'm like, I feel grateful, right? Uh-huh. Like, I should. I really want to feel grateful for everybody who's advertised and then left, but I don't. I want them to stay. And they leave for a variety of reasons. I don't think that Free Talk Live has been terribly successful for SACL CAI bringing in business because they're 
there's very few decision makers in their business, <laughs> and uh, whether or not we might uh, reach them is, is I'm, I'm skeptical of that. But he supported us, and I think it's all along been clear he supports us because he supports the ideas of liberty and getting the message out there. So um, thanks, thanks Jason, thanks for all you've done for Free Talk Live. Yeah, thank you, Jason. He's incredibly generous. I've now, I mean, this sounds like you know preaching to the choir, just patting. Uh, Jason on the back. I, I don't really want to use the the analog that that I'm thinking of, but it, when I first came to New Hampshire, when I came to Porkfest, Jason Osborne, he was one of the people who who welcomed me there. I met him there at the Sacral CAI Fun Tent. Ah, uh, yes. And I, you know, I drove up there, drove from North Carolina to to Porkfest that year alone i didn't know anybody there and and you know in a large part because jason osborne i had the greatest time ever the sacral cai fun tent was a recipe for fun there was always fun there he does not have a good time there's no doubt about it but uh i think that that's uh often true with uh the liberty sorts anyway that's just my my opinion on it Shiny badges on your jacket. Shiny badges start a conversation with your neighbor or your doctor or your family or your school. Now there's teachers and lawyers and business executives and they all wear shiny badges and they all reject the state. Shiny badges on your jacket. Shiny badges show the world that you reject coercion and aggression and oppression by the state. Shinybadges.com Let's go to the phones here and the fun. Let's talk first to Dave in Youngstown, Ohio. Dave, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nemi, and Mark. Hello, Ian. Hey, Dave. And, of course, Nemi and, and Mark. Um, I just saw on the free bo- uh, yeah, Facebook page for Free Talk Live that this is Nemi's last regular night. Yes, it is. And I just, I'd like to say that I have enjoyed Nemi. I've been listening for a couple of years now. Um, and I had a chance to meet her up at Keenvention, which, by the way, and you did a fabulous job there. Oh, thanks. Fabulous job. Glad you came. It was a lot um, of fun. It was the, great meeting you, Dave. Absolutely. Out in the parking lot, um, Nemi introduced me to Chris Cantwell. And when I first met Nemi uh, at Keenvention there, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, she was going to do a story about um, how not to be creepy. I brought that and, in for show prep um, tonight too because it was a great reaction on that on that story. We didn't get through it. We only went like halfway. Right. Through we didn't get through it, but as a matter of fact, um, she might tell you the story of um, how she and I first met live, which she used the word creepy. I did use the word um, creepy, but I, I said, "So this isn't creepy. What's your name?" Since you knew who I was, I mean, <laughs> I'll let you tell the whole story, Nemi. You seem to have a. a uh, photographic memory, and um, anyhow, I'd like to say I'll miss seeing you over here every Wednesday night. Oh, well, thank and you. And looking forward to seeing you again. Yes. I'll be up actually in Manchester. Um, I'll be coming up, I hope, at the beginning of March to check out more job opportunities. Exciting. And I will definitely be at Porkfest this year. I can't wait to see you at Porkfest. I'm going to go up and do the week. I learned the hard way last year that one cannot cram one week of pork fest into one saturday night it's the um, porcupine freedom festival yeah um david it's it's fantastic to me i'm not going far this is um this is wonderful it's progress i i mean we can talk about more what what's in store for the show um i personally i'm um moving my primary base of operations to manchester 
Anyone who knows me knows that I travel around the state and I've got places I stay and things I do pretty much everywhere. New Hampshire's not a big state. It's pretty easy to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and Manchester is really going to be my next base of operations. I've been in Keene 20 years um, and it's a beautiful city and I've loved it here. Uh, but Manchester just has some opportunities Um that I'm really looking forward to that, that it has more. You're starting a new me. business too. We'll talk about. I that am. Later I can't on. wait to tell you about that. I brought all the show prep. <laughs> yeah, Some things exciting. never change. Very exciting stuff going on here. Well, hey, Dave, thanks I'll for let the call. People me. know. Yeah. When I get into Manchester. Wonderful. Hey, thanks, thanks, Dave. Dave. Look forward to I appreciate it. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. So uh, you are leaving Nemi. I am, and uh, and it's actually interesting timing because your replacement is going to be Brett Vinat. I can't wait. happens to be moving to Keene next week. Just as I'm going. Just it's as like you're leaving. two ships so, passing in the night. Yeah, and he had come here uh, visiting Keene a few, couple weeks ago. Brett Vinat is the host of the School Sucks Project, and listeners of the show have been hearing us talk about the School Sucks Project every night for a while now. They've been sponsoring uh, the show, which has been great. And so the host of the School Sucks Project is moving from the Manchester region to Keene, and I think that's just fantastic. And yeah. he's great talent, and he'll he'll be he's great wonderful. on the air. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and I am— We might I, hear you again someday. I, so. I would love to come back. I mean, it's— um, I, I will be over here. I mean, 20 years is a long time to spend in one place, and I certainly have um, friends over here, and I, I work here. I have business here, and— um, I will be back and forth still, uh, but I I really think that this is a great opportunity for me. Um, it offers me some flexibility to kind of step away from the show. Um, but Ian, Mark, this has really been the high point of my week for two Aww. close to two and a half years now. That's not the first time I've said that. You can go back through the archives, I but I really do. I mean, who's going to give Mark a, a rash and a poop? Every week, I if wasn't not the guy. Me. I wasn't the guy that uh, Dave was. In, or wasn't the person that Dave was enjoying out in the parking lot. That's all I gotta say. Oh, really? Do you can can I tell the Dave story? <laughs> do I have two I minutes? Guess. Okay. Can we just hear it? Well, okay. Well, no. I mean, Dave says walks up to me. I pulled into the parking lot, and this gentleman I had never met walked up to me and said, "Are you Nemi? You must be Nemi." <laughs> and I'm like, what tipped you off? That might have been the license <laughs> like, plate. It was the license plate because my license plate says Nemesis, mm-hmm. and I have a Free Talk Live sticker on my car. And um, and I said, it must have been the license plate. It's like, it is the license plate. And I've also seen you on the webcam at cam.freetalklive.com. And, um, you I can said, go creep on us at uh, cam.freetalklive.com. Okay. Yeah, I'll wave to you. Um, and I said, okay, so this, is, so since you know who I am, can we make this a little less creepy? And, and, and so I know who you are. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, Dave's great. Uh, Keenvention was so fun meeting people um, that I've only talked to online. Um, and I, I, yeah, this is... It's happening again. Keenvention 2014 just announced today at keenvention.info. Uh, we'll talk more about it, obviously, over time, but I'm pretty excited about it. It's going to be October 31st through November 2nd, and ticket sales are available now. So you can get the pre-order price of 40 bucks to attend a convention, which is pretty damn cheap for any convention anywhere. I mean, you just can't get them for, for that low price. And that early bird special is good for a while. I made it good through the end of the Porcupine Freedom Festival this summer. So you've got a while to get in. But I'm going to limit the pre-sales tickets or the pre-event ticket sales to 100. Because uh, last year we had about um, we had about 100 people attending. Maybe about 110 or so people attending. And it was a good crowd. Like it was a good amount of people. And that was over the whole weekend. So you know, probably no more than about sixty people at any given moment in the in the convention room. So I figure, you know, we'll have a hundred pre-sales tickets available, and then there's probably going to be like fifty guests of the event, speakers, and things like that. So maybe we'll double the or like you know at least. Why are you limiting it though? 
well, because there's only so much room in the in the building, and I don't you know I don't know what to expect as far as ticket sales, and we can still sell tickets at the door. But if you limit the pre-sales tickets, then it kind of creates a sense of urgency. Like, you know, do you want to be buying at the door or do you want to get them early? You want to get in early and then lock in for that, that first hundred tickets. Because it's not going to be that many more than 100 people going to be fitting in that room. Maybe 100, maybe 200 could pack in there. It'd be pretty, uh, pretty tight. We're coming up. Are you looking for camping, hunting, survival, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries the name brands you want at the lowest prices. Ammunition, knives, firearm accessories, archery, air guns, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com is family-owned and has the lowest prices. Go check it for yourself. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Now buy firearms at ManVentureOutpost.com. All right, so uh, new laws going into effect January 1st. That's today. It's when we're uh, editing and, and doing this show here. And one of the good laws, or you know, somewhat better than previous, was uh, Colorado, where there's now a legalized marijuana situation. And there's some problems with it, of course, because, well, laws are generally regulation. They, you know, Legalization includes regulation, and that means control and Control means rules and regulations and town ordinances. And so it's certainly not freedom in the realm of smoking cannabis in Colorado, but it's better than prohibition a little bit. Now, prohibition is apparently coming back into style in Connecticut in the case of gun laws and gun registration. Uh, Apparently, there's some new laws that are going into effect there today. And for the last several days, I've seen on my uh, news feed on Facebook, several people posting articles with links to these pictures. Uh, one of them went particularly viral with what appears to be a line of approximately 100 people uh, standing outside a, uh, a government office in Connecticut. The story from theblaze.com, and these stories are all over the place, wfsb.com as well. Uh, this one was written a few days ago when there were there was time left. There's not at the moment. But there are only five days until the new gun laws go into effect in our state. It means a dash to register assault weapons or high-capacity magazines, says WFSB-TV. A long line of people stood outside the public safety building in Middletown all day Thursday to register firearms. Specifically, anything the state considers an assault weapon or high-capacity magazine must be registered before January 1st, 2014. If they were trying to make them illegal, I'd have a real issue. But if they just want to know where they are, that's fine with me," said Charles Gillette, who oh, was no, registering his not. magazines. Oh my goodness, that's no. not okay with you. No, huh? it is not. Why? No, because I, oh, government has no right to know where the guns are. They they really don't. I mean, the the only reason they would need to know where all the guns are is if they are looking to either um, attack the people or disarm the people. You're just paranoid, Nemi. Thanks, Ian. I'll keep my guns, and I will not tell you how many I have or where I keep them. Well, apparently it might be a felony charge if you get caught with something like this, and it is not a uh, registered firearm. This is the difficulty is um, in these circumstances, if they have these rules, it's one thing just not to bother to register the, the gun or whatever. But if you actually have to use the gun in defense of your home, then... You know, do you want to be in a situation where, yes, I've used an illegal firearm to defend my home. What of it? You know, I don't want to be in that particular uh, instance. Then you've saved the life of your family, but now you're going to prison. Great. Yay. Thanks. Thanks for that. You know, I had an interesting conversation with a friend of mine who's, uh, you know, he's basically a gun-grabbing liberal. And he 
you know, one thing he said is is that he lives in a, a rural section of, uh, you know, very rural area. In New Hampshire? Uh, no. And he um, he's like, well, all my neighbors have guns. And I'm like, and you know that your house isn't going to get robbed because your neighbors have guns. He's like, right. So he appreciates that his neighbors have guns to keep his house from being robbed. But, but he still he, wants to take their guns? Yeah, well, he's afraid the you know, he's concerned of the with the dangers and of guns and all that kind of stuff. Guns and are dangerous. They, I mean they absolutely are. They but could kill somebody. Somebody some people take the risks in their lives to have these things and thank God for them, I'd say. Another thing I'd add for the gun grabbing liberals out there is is look you're never, ever going to see a uh, an invasion of the United States because there's more guns in this country than there are people. There's never going to be a land invasion of the U.S. because it's just you can't hold this country because of all the guns. Scott Brosio, or Bosio, who is registering his guns in Connecticut, says, I understand why they're doing it, but I don't think it's constitutional. The controversial law was created then last year. Then why are year. you in line, dude? Then why are scared. you in line because you are a sheep? He's that scared. is why. Well, yeah. I, I can understand oh, why I'm you would scared, do it. I'm scared, so I'm going to go register the gun that's going to defend me from the government that's scaring me. These people are frightened animals. I mean, they are so frightened of what the government could do to them. And you can't blame them. The government, they're scary. I mean, they put people in prison for nonsensical reasons, for for not having harmed anybody else. And you damn well better believe they're going to put people in prison in Connecticut if they find them with uh, unregistered firearms. I agree with you. I don't think they should register them. Right. Historically, Connecticut has had terrible, some of the most worst, uh, gosh, some of the worst gun laws in new england mm-hmm. i as you mentioned earlier in the show i am a native i have grown up and lived in new, hampshire, new hampshire all my life yeah. there is no gun registration in new hampshire and Absolutely there probably never none. will be and i doubt there ever will be well i mean it, maybe it speaks to the difference between the uh, connecticut folks and the new hampshire folks that the new hampshire people are just more concerned about their rights and as, not as willing take to them give them seriously up. Yeah. absolutely are you kidding me if someone said i needed to register my firearm i i would not i would refuse what about massachusetts i mean I, i've heard uh gun owners say that they just drive around massachusetts yeah that's true too of course, to of drive around pe- massachusetts you have people, to drive through new york yeah through new york which well, is not much better um not much better um but uh, same is said about connecticut as well the controversial law was created after the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting back in 2012. None because of the, it was about the guns there, not the kids' mental status, right. right? None of the people Eyewitness News spoke with thinks it's going to reduce gun violence. They believe it's only hurting law-abiding citizens. Jared Krajewski said, uh, he was registering his guns that day, said if people are going to do things illegally, they're not going to be here registering their gun. And, of course, he's absolutely right about that. As a matter of fact, uh, here's an interesting stat for you. Um, <laughs> registered gun owners are less likely to use their gun, um, less likely to kill somebody than a police officer. Mm. I mean, that's how unlikely they are. Many many crimes are committed with guns. There's no doubt about it. But they're less likely to uh, to, to to commit a crime with a gun. I think it's commit a crime with a gun. Um, or I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Let me let me look it up. Like it or not, the deadline's coming fast, and Connecticut State Police said if you want to cut down on the wait time, make sure all forms are taken care of. State Police Lieutenant Paul Vance says people don't realize the entire form must be filled out completely, and if it requires a notary, it should be notarized before coming here. That's what's causing the massive line. And you know, a lot of these people are waiting in this huge line, because this is how bureaucracy works. There's some box you didn't check, or some T you didn't cross, or an I you didn't dot, or you didn't get the notary, or whatever it is, 
you wait in an hour-long line, and then you get up to the bureaucrat, and they tell you, yeah, sorry, you're going to have to go back and do this and that, and then you come back later, and then you've got to go wait in the damn line again, only to find out you've botched it up again because their system is so cumbersome and so annoying. But I agree with you, Nemi. These people, it's, it's sad. There was some talk about— how many, how many criminals, how many people who illegally, already illegally possessed firearms in the state of Connecticut were in line? Uh, because Connecticut so already had some pretty stringent regulations in place, right? So how many people who were already not meeting those regulations showed up with their weapons and their information and their forms in triplicate? How many criminals who have committed gun violence in Connecticut? Right. This isn't None. about stopping criminals. This is about criminalizing you. It's this, registering weapons. Right, right. and, and th- th- there's uh, speculation, right, that if you register the weapons, that eventually they're just going to come for them. And there's good reason for that. There Absolutely. have been people and you know, governments in the past who've done that. So you give them the information as to where things are that they want. They're going to come take it someday. That's not an yeah. unreasonable belief system. And, uh, and this is about making, making people, average people, into criminals. And that's why these people are scared to death. They don't want to become you know, felons for having not jumped through the government paperwork. And most people aren't willing to stand up to the state like we might be. So theblaze.com has an article about these ridiculous lines of people, mostly men in Connecticut, who are registering firearms or were doing so over the last several days under a wide-ranging gun control law passed. uh, Looks like they have until Tuesday, so that would be yesterday, to submit paperwork with the Department of Emergency Services and Public Protection. Twitter user Voter Mom said of the photo that has been been viral around various different places where there's this very, very lengthy line of people standing ostensibly outside of one of these government offices. Holy crap, looks like Weimar, Germany. Yeah. Another commenter says, another disgusting picture from Connecticut, men waiting in line to register guns with the government. Another commenter, Paul Reyes, says, first, they came for the guns. Lance M. Fisher says, life is too short to live in a state that does this to its residents. And you know, there was some talk amongst those in the Free State Project about doing outreach to the poor, beleaguered gun owners of Connecticut and, you know, letting them know, hey, if you just move a you know, a few miles to the north, you could be in New Hampshire where you've got instant way more gun freedom here and maybe more freedom-oriented culture in general. But I have to say that I don't know if I would want to market that to these people that were standing in the lines, at least. Maybe to the people who didn't go and stand in but the lines, they should be marketed to. But the obedient people These people who- were polled, though, right? And all of them said that they thought this was a bad idea. They're just following a law that they believe to be a bad idea so yeah. that they can then use the gun to protect themselves. The point I made previously, like, I don't... I understand why somebody would do this. If I were legally able to own a gun and owned a gun, um, I might find myself in the same position because I would own the gun in order to protect myself. If I did have to protect myself, the police would clearly know whether or not I had a gun and then it would be, you know, they'd want to know whether it was registered or not. Yeah, my, my response is never register a weapon. Absolutely not. It's just, it's instinctually so wrong to me. But it's a felony, right? I don't care, okay, Mark. I'm clear. Well, that's I do just not it. Care. We need more people like Nemi who don't care about what the laws are going to be, who are willing to say, no, I'm not going to obey, or in this case, just Absolutely keep quiet not. and don't step up and, and do anything right. about it. But 
the problem, the reason why things are so bad, I mean, people, people look around, they ask themselves, how did things get like this? How is it that the government can be so controlling? How is it that they can tax so much? How is it they can get away with all these regulations? Because, this because is how. people line up in Connecticut right. to register their firearms. Those firearms did no damage. Those The, the people that were standing in that line, you said, Ian, you're right, they're scared. They're in line so the government doesn't come after them. Those, they might come uh, after them anyway. Those, they might come up, they'll, they have more reason now. Yeah. Those weapons that that those people are registering probably did not commit a crime the day prior, and they probably will not commit a crime tomorrow. So, uh, so yeah, this is why things are the way they are. It's because you and me and everybody else, to some extent, because everybody does it to some extent, has been going along to get along. Oh, you're going to pass a law to regulate the business that I'm in? Well, I guess I'll just jump through the hoops. Oh, you're going to pass a law to regulate the things I can keep in my home? Uh, I guess I'll just go ahead and jump through the hoops. I understand why they're doing it, says one of the people. I don't think it's constitutional, but I understand why they're doing it. So we'll just go ahead and do it anyway. It's unconstitutional. I think it's unconstitutional, but I'm going to do it anyway well, because, that's because you know, I don't want to f- spend the hundred thousand dollars on an attorney that it's going to take to to take this thing through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what are the, you going to say when they come take your guns away from you? I don't have any guns, Ian. They took my guns away in from theory. me decades ago. Obviously, well, in that case, you're not going to spend any money on an attorney either. You were talking about in the case that you were actually a gun owner right so uh what are they going to do when, what are you going to do when they finally come and use the information you've given them to take your guns away and i suspect they will i would imagine right. the um however oh, the answer is that uh that, that these people are imagining <clears throat> pardon me i'm sorry mm. that they're imagining that some gun rights group is going to get a hold of this law and turn it around <laughs> Yeah, that's going to happen. You know, they can think about whatever they want and fantasize about the future if they want to, and that's fine. If they think that, well, gosh darn it, we'll just have the NRA save us someday. Uh, well, how's the NRA doing as far as turning around gun laws in this country? Not so good. Not so good. Gun laws uh, are not generally getting better. You know, they're not. there's not fewer gun laws today. There's not less restrictive gun laws yep. in most places. That most places, well, things are getting worse. No, and- that's not true. I'm sorry. Gun laws are getting less restrictive um, in the last couple of decades in this country. That's a, that's misinformation. There are certainly places where it's getting more restrictive, but in largely in the United States, gun rights uh, have increased since the 80s. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's news to me. It certainly doesn't. I've seem said it that on the way. air more than once. It certainly doesn't seem that way when you've got people lining up around the block over in uh, Connecticut. There's right now. to carry uh, laws that have gone in, um, gone in across this country in the last few decades. Absolutely. Hmm. Okay. I'll take your word for it. So great. Everything's great then. Uh, just nobody should really guns worry don't about bring it. don't mm-hmm. guns don't bring freedom, Ian. Guns don't bring freedom. This is I've said. Did this I on say the, they did? No. No. You said things are great. I was joking. I don't think things are great. I think things are getting worse for freedom out there because of people like this who stand around and just do whatever it is that they're told. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe some laws in some places have gotten better, but that's certainly not true in Connecticut. It's certainly not true in New York. It's certainly not true in Colorado. You talk to the people that live there, and these people are under serious restriction on uh, the firearms that they can own. So I'm pretty sure you said earlier, Mark, that we are not invaded by Japan or China because of the widespread... 
possession of weapons. Right. Well, that's um, well, there's this apocryphal quote out there. It's probably not true, um, attributed to a uh, Japanese general that uh, you can't invade the U.S. homeland because there'd be a gun behind every blade of grass. Well, there certainly wouldn't be now, but at the time that was made, I know that's a dated dated quote. Is there's more guns than there are people in the United States. I understand, yeah. but at the at the time, it was certainly much more likely. It was more um, culturally acceptable to have firearms in the home yeah. at that time when that quote was made than now. So yeah. it's certainly undermining our freedom. Uh, that said, it would undermine our freedom to take guns away, would it not? Oh, I'm not saying the guns should be taken away. I don't understand what, where that's well, coming from. Right. I'm getting to that. Okay. So this is the first step in taking guns away and, and knowing where they are. I understand why. What I'm saying is, is I understand why people are registering. They're registering so that they can use the gun that they've got. I mean, if you you have two choices in you this can, circumstance, you can use an unregistered gun, same as you can use a registered gun, Mark. Yeah, they both it, fire the same way. It, but in this, but in the at the end of the firing with the unregistered one, you're going to go to prison. Whereas with the registered one, you wouldn't. You only basically have two choices as a gun owner in, in Connecticut: is either register the gun or bury it. In case well, the third the choice is you comes. leave there's and the, you go leaving. to a place right. where there's more but freedom. But I did say in Connecticut. Because mm-hmm. the people who are doing this, who are standing there and just doing what they're told, those are the reasons. Those people are the reasons why things are so bad. I agree. All the but- homeowners who do what they're told when the zoning uh, enforcement comes along, all the business owners who do what they're told when the business enforcer, you know, the business department or whoever it is, what gov- whatever government agency is regulating you, everybody who does what they're told, it's your fault. Um, that things get worse. Period. It, okay, but leaving doesn't doesn't generally work. People will leave over a long longer period of time. Course of uh, in some cases, if years. you concentrate people together in one place, it does work. We're proving that it, it works here in New Hampshire. And Nimi, yeah. thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, sweethearts. Appreciate Love you, you being both. on. Thank you. And we'll probably have you back at some point in the future. We'll see you soon. We'll see how long you stay in Manchester. Oh, uh, I think I'll be there for a while. <laughs> All right, very good. <laughs> I've been told no in many different ways. And you're going to obey it. Which one you can go this way? You can't do that and you have to leave here. You cannot bring signs into their rally. Walk with me. Well, I'm, I'm, no, I'm comfortable here, actually. Whoa, whoa, Excuse whoa, 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 hey, 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 who do you think Excuse you are? Excuse me. There is no video or audio allowed in this office. Now, I have work today. This is, you ain't going to make, wait, now, wait a minute. Holy crap. Whoa. Hey! Oh, my God, unbelievable. Bureaucrats have a funny way of telling people no. That's the sound of the men working on the chain. Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree. You can order your copy of the Director's Cut DVD now at victimlesscrimespree.com. Well, with the next phase of government-mandated phase-out of incandescent light bulbs just days away, well, I got this article in December, um, diehard fans of the traditional yellow glow might not have to flock to their local store and purchase them by the basketful after all. When the federal ban on producing or importing incandescents of varying watts was passed under the Bush administration, Larry Birnbaum, carrying on the three-generation legacy of his family's New Jersey-based light bulb store, saw an opportunity. A hundred watts are as rare as hen's teeth. Seventy-fives yeah. are in the same direction, and sixties by this time next year will mostly be all gone," um, said Birnbaum, who was who added that his great grandfather was friends with the incandescent light bulb inventor Thomas Edison. 
We're used, we're addicted to the color of incandescence. Unless you were born yesterday, Birnbaum continued, your body is used to it. When you put on something different, the body reacts to it and you get irritated, which is true. <laughs> well, I don't, I, uh, you don't, are, do you get irritated or no? I don't like fluorescent light. It bothers um, me. Well, I mean, there's different uh, bands of light that you can get, right? There's the, like, the daylight bulbs, and then there's the old school kind of yellow light bulbs. I prefer the daylight bulbs, personally. Right, daylight. But you're talking about daylight incandescent, right? Not daylight I've CFLs. never, I've never heard of a daylight incandescent. Yeah. I've never seen those things, but no, I daylight started incandescent. It's like you know, incandescent being, uh, being the the old style of the light filament, filament. Style. right? So yeah, like, I've never seen a blue a coating, a blue coating on the outside of it. Never seen those. Oh, I've, I've oh. never seen an incandescent bulb that that does that. I've only seen them in fluorescence and LED. Oh, really? That's yeah. interesting. I, all I used to buy, I've been for years and years mm. and years, was the blue. Uh, but it's the coating, is what you're saying? Yeah, does, it's just does a coating. It there, okay. It just filters the light from being yellow. You know, with the blue adds a little bit of a you know a higher color temperature to it, so it looks a little bit more. So like no, it. incandescence don't bother. Excuse me, the fluorescents don't really bother me, but I prefer the LED. I like those; they're cooler. I right. like the LEDs too. Uh, fluorescents bother me because they start out more dim. Right, they take a while to warm it takes, up. It warms up, and there's that flicker early on. Um, I just don't like that. I just don't Some like people... the way they're made. They just can they they die. I mean, they're supposed to be really yeah. long lasting, but yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah. I've never seen a long lasting fluorescent and the, CFL. You know, something one thing that some some people don't like about LEDs is that they have a little bit of a delay before they come on for some of them. And I definitely mm. noticed that in my place, but I love them. I mean, I still love that. You know, I've got some that are uh, actually they're not daylight balanced. They're balanced for specifically to look more like a an incandescent bulb. So they've got a yellow yeah. to them because I liked it in my living room. And I have one that is not day. It's not. It doesn't have the yellow color to it. It's just a little weird because it's a little green hmm. for that particular one. But they're still, they're great. I mean, and I haven't had to change them. I mean, I was changing light bulbs constantly with the incandescence. But um, he goes on to but say... some people still love the old incandescent just because, you know, some people still love newspapers. Well, well, you know, if I had to... I mean, incandescents are great. I mean, if I... <laughs> No, they're not. You they can, take a bunch of watts. And, you can yeah. use them to heat uh, chicken coops and uh, you know, keep pipes going and underneath uh, mobile homes. I mean, there's a well, variety. If you're using of them uses. as a heater, then that's another reason to have But some people it, also don't want to make the big investment because, you know, LEDs are expensive bulbs. You know, no, like I agree. You would, I would only recommend changing them out when you, uh, you know, when a light bulb dies. I that's contend an LED is uh, less expensive than an incandescent. Oh, when in the start. long run, because you can change, you know, in the time that you'll, you'll have to change an LED light, you would have had to change an incandescent about 50 times. Times. So no, it's you're probably like 40 front. times more expensive. You're talking about up front. Like if you were to go so, and change out a whole household, that would be pretty expensive right. if you were yeah. to do it at once. So the Even LED... a bulb at a time, it's still a little bit of a cost. You know, it's 10 bucks a bulb. You know, you're, it's still a decent amount of money. LED bulbs are like Obamacare. <laughs> if they would have never changed the law on incandescence and forced people to pay more for bulbs, so then it brought down the price of uh, fluorescence and then forced people to, and then people would, of course, you know, uh, uh, the fluorescence kind of stinks, so people went to LEDs and more people bought the LEDs, bringing down the price of the LEDs, then LEDs would still be $75 a bulb. Yeah. And um, that's, you know, the benefit to bad government programs is that sometimes there's a good uh you know I don't know that that's consequence true saying that this ban has somehow benefited yeah, I don't, us yes, I don't agree I, did. I don't agree I don't agree at all Yeah I think that it's actually companies that are bringing it down you know people that where like huge companies realize the the benefit of of replacing all their lights Incandescent bulbs you know? are an anachronism at this point I mean why anybody would have an incandescent bulb in their home is just simply you know because that's the way you've always done it 
I mean, if you're with it in any way, shape, or form, if you're paying attention to the amount of money that you're spending on your power bill, the amount of watts that you're pulling from, yes. you know, your... But Ian, you're not making an argument against why, what I, my claim was, is that more people were basically forced to buy LED bulbs, bringing down the price from I wouldn't 75- say anybody's ever been forced to buy an LED bulb. What are you talking about? Well, people are buying LED bulbs because they're great. They and were they disallowed work. from buying incandescents, and fluorescents stunk and had mercury. Only in, in them. California. What incandescent bulbs have been on the marketplace? Oh, hundred watt a federal ban now. A hundred watt now, but he's yeah. talking about like it's just right, yeah. like what are you talking about? A hundred watt incandescent bulbs have not been on the marketplace for two years. So what? There's what? been plenty of sixty watt bulbs. You, a sixty watt bulb won't do. You gotta I've have a hundred watt. Never needed a hundred. Yeah, watt I don't know that that's bulb. accurate. I think that's actually kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I agree with you. Mark. I don't think people are like, Johnson. oh my god. You know, like most people were buying sixties before. Right. I always bought hundreds. Okay. Well, you go to the max because I want well, to turn it up to eleven. Yeah, and, and a lot of if you look around, especially in New Hampshire, most sockets can't go up to hundred. So your light bulbs that's were true. probably burning out like popcorn. Uh, a lot of a lot of light uh, light sockets are not made to to handle above sixty. In a lot of cases, you know, we did, we certainly had sixties in the house too, but I always had hundreds uh, because okay. I prefer to put them in. Well, I, I've got a brand new house, unlike this hundred year old uh, barn <laughs> that you live in. It's true. We, that, well, anyway, we I can totally, be fair to him on that. One. I, I totally agree with Johnson on this. I, I think it's been market forces that have brought LEDs and uh, CFLs about. I mean, people want something different. They you want things that, you, ca- that there's no way to prove it. The fact is, Talk is that to people, man. the marketplace, the, the what has happened has happened, and you can't. It's the seen and the unseen. Well, you let can't me prove it. let me say this. So let me get get to this. With uh, millions of people still supporting the use of incandescent bulbs, Burnbound found a loophole in the Energy Independence and Security Act. I want to find out what applies. the loophole was in a moment. Hang on, we'll get back to that here. Eight fifty five four fifty free. That's eight five five four five zero three seven three three. What are your bulb buying habits? Did you only buy LED and CFL because you've been forced to? I don't think that's the case for most people. It's- We're talking about light bulbs, and in this case, the incandescent ban, supposed ban. Now, I don't know much about this incandescent ban. It's, what, just recent or something like that? Yeah, I think the ban went into effect as of January 1st, so yesterday. And this guy, uh, Birnbaum, he found a loophole in this, what's called the Energy Independence and Security Act. They All always right. have these dumb names for these things that are always really the opposite what they <laughs> they're uh, intended to do but uh, he found that the band applies only to general service incandescent light bulbs but not rough service what incandescent does that light means? bulbs well while frequently used in automobiles subway systems and other applications that require a heavy duty vibration resistant bulb Rough service bulbs can still be used under a general application, according to uh. Burnbaum. You know, like the ones that are like sometimes you'll find them in stoves or in like a, uh, you know, under like, uh, like just mirrors made, of a car in the glove box. They're made stronger. Or, yeah, they're made stronger. Yeah. Some outdoor lamps uh, have incandescence in them. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So the website apparently bulbs.com breaks it down this way. Rough service lamps function identically to regular incandescent lamps, but generally have additional wire within the glass enclosure that serves to protect and support the filament. So, Burnbaum's company was one of two awarded a license to produce these bulbs in the country after designing a bulb to meet the new specifications for rough service bulbs established in the law. The American-made new candescent was born. <laughs> All right, so... 
you know, just a little bit of Googling here, and I want to get to your calls and thoughts here on this as well at 855-450 free, but uh, a brief amount of internet searching reveals that this isn't really a very significant ban. In fact, Mark, if you want to get some 100-watt bulbs, just type in incandescent want... light bulbs. Type it in on Amazon. They're it's not the first being produced. result. This is, this is the point, one of the points in the article is that as of... January 1st, as of now, they're not getting produced anymore. But they could be produced in another country, right? uh, Here's GE brand 100-watt. You can buy 48 100-watt GE brand soft white incandescent bulbs right now through shop.freetalklive.com for under $93. Ian, um, ban might not be the right term. Basically what this does is it affects major retailers where most people get their products. So Walmarts and Home Depots and things like that. Okay. Now when this ban went through, what happened was uh, you know, these retailers saw the writing well, on the wall. It doesn't say you can't sell them. It says you can't produce them. Okay, they saw the writing on the wall. They began to switch over to the fluorescence and then to the LEDs after the after everybody hated the fluorescence because you got to go to the dump to throw them th- those things away. Awful. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what the hell does that? What do you do? You like smash them and put them in the garbage? No, you don't want to smash them. That lets the mercury out of them. Well, what do you think happens when you put it in the garbage, dude? You don't, I don't think it know. gets compacted? I wouldn't smash it though if oh, I were you. Now you're not responsible for it because you just put it in the garbage when you weren't supposed to. What's it matter anyway? Mercury it came from the ground mercury, in the first place. Oh, that, great. Less than a, less than a gram of mercury can pollute an entire lake. Let's go to the phones. Eric is listening in Kansas. Eric, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, I'm I'm kind of with Mark on this, but as, as far as the ban, um, I, I ha- seems seems to recall that that Congress put through a. Uh, a little uh, amendment bill, so that's that's something to consider. I'm, I don't know for sure. I haven't looked it up, but anyway, um, I, I live in an old, old, old house that's like over 100 years old, and it's still got the original uh, wiring that was probably put in in the 30s. It has, you know, strand wire instead of solid copper, and I use nothing but 100 watt, and they, they work fine. I've never, you know, I don't. Have and where do you get them? Oh, do you stockpile, or do you, do you actually buy them from somewhere? No, I've, I've, it's probably been a year since I bought any because I, I do buy quite a few. Just when I buy anything, I buy quite a few, and then I don't have to shop again for a while. Um, but but I've seen them around at, at you know lots of different places still. So, um, at any rate, uh, you know I prefer the incandescent. Um, I have tried the uh, the fluorescent and CFL. Um, and the, I just, the flicker rate, I don't like it. I hate them. And, I hate them so much. I do not like them as much as I like the LEDs. Uh, have you tried an LED? I have tried LED and, and, uh, they're not bright enough. To tell you okay. the truth. For, I, there I need bright are new ones. I, I got to tell you, there are new LEDs that are out and I, I'm going to recommend, uh, you know, I, free plug for Philips, but they're a huge corporation anyway, but Philips has like a hundred watt equivalent LED light bulb that is yellow in color on when the bulb is off it's like yellow but when you turn it on it works and it has the same color feel as a uh, uh, um a incandescent and it's it's I have a couple of them and they're fantastic I actually compared and took a picture with an incandescent in one lamp and a, and this bulb in another one and uh, it looked identical. I was very impressed, and I had because I had bought previously a different LED bulb, and the color of that light was green and just a little sickly, and I didn't like it. But then I got these bulbs, and I would I just I would recommend them easily. Eric, anything else you want to share tonight? 
Uh, well, just on the LED, I, I said it's not bright enough, but I, I've, I've got some bright ones, but they, they tend to focus their light in, in one direction more yeah. than, than spreading it out. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sure they're going to come out with some new designs that will probably be a lot better. And, and I look forward to using them. I mean, yeah, I, I suspect LED you're right about that. I mean, from... the LED tech's only getting better, cheaper, and more effective. And I thank you for the call tonight, Eric. Appreciate hearing from you. Again, just a little bit more Googling reveals 100-watt uh, A19 medium-based soft white incandescent bulbs. Mark, you said that uh, the major retailers were not carrying them. This is Lowe's. No, Lowe's. I didn't. Com. I said they put them on a lower shelf. Well, wait, didn't you say a moment ago that they were banned? The manufacturer of them are banned. Okay, so you're just saying Sylvania has been selling out their stock for the last two days. <laughs> no, no, no. The 100-watt ones were banned a few years ago, were they not? Because according to manufacturer the, in the United States, according to the story here at the Los Angeles but Times. But those also, those light bulbs were 298 Was that 298 for the whole pack or is it 298 a bulb? Because that's expensive. Uh, that's an 8-pack. 298 for the entire 8-pack? That's correct. Wow. Story from the L.A. Times. The final phase of a ban on incandescent light bulbs goes into effect Wednesday, leaving consumers with pricier energy-efficient options that are expected to save people money over time. Beginning January 1st, that's yesterday, the production of 40- and 60-watt incandescent bulbs is banned as part of efficiency standards signed into law by George W. Bush. In 2007, the government phased out 75- and 100-watt incandescent bulbs over the last few years. But I guess what they mean is they phased out the production of them. And so I, I suppose this could be old stock uh, that is you know, still being sold through by this company. But all I'm pointing out is... For all the talks on ban or banning of incandescent bulbs, they're not banned. You can still have them. You can still sell them, apparently. And some people are indeed still selling the 100-watt bulbs. So for everybody out there who's looking for 100-watt bulbs, you haven't looked very hard. I mean, it's again, it's been two days. Who knows how long this is going to last? Light bulbs burn out pretty quickly. You know, maybe in two months from now, there's going to be none. Yeah, but who's to say you can't import them? Is there a ban on importing, too? Maybe. Well, maybe so. I haven't heard about it. I used my CryptoKit browser extension yesterday to send out an encrypted email because CryptoKit makes it really easy. Like the easiest I've ever seen PGP easy. CryptoKit.com, K-R-Y-P-T-O-K-I-T.com. It does more than PGP, in fact. It's also a free instant Bitcoin wallet, and it's a secure messaging system. Plus, it's got Bitcoin news and charts all right there, rolled up into one easy-to-use Chrome browser extension. Now, it's only available for Chrome at the moment. It is the easiest and quickest Bitcoin wallet to set up. No more logging into a web wallet or copying and pasting Bitcoin addresses when making your purchases. You just have your crypto crypto kit, and once you install it, it's easy. You, you just move your mouse around a little bit. It generates a random Bitcoin address. You can fund your wallet from any source and start making your Bitcoin transactions on the fly right from within your browser. It just doesn't get more convenient. It's pretty convenient. To use Bitcoin from your web browser. Uh, so your wallet data, by the way, is stored on your computer. It is not sent to any server. And if you don't believe that claim, the source, it's open source. So the, the code, you can go in, you can audit it, make sure there's no backdoors or anything like that. CryptoKit, K-R-Y-P-T-O-K-I-T.com. They do not know your password. They do not have access to your Bitcoins. And again, there's PGP tools in this, uh, this little plugin that make it incredibly cool. I mean, it would, it'd be cool if it were just a, a Bitcoin wallet. But the fact that you can use PGP to do instant messaging and you can use PGP encryption. So if you've got an email you want to encrypt into PGP, you just use CryptoKit. And man, does it make it easy. K-R-Y-P-T-O-K-I-T dot com.
So let's change gears here. Talk about schooling. Uh, in this uh, case, particularly homeschooling. Normally, it's certainly the purview of parents to make the decision to uh, pull their children out of these government schools, these indoctrination camps, teach them at home, whether that means uh, through your own curriculum that you decide on uh, with your kids or as an unschooling thing where they teach themselves the things that they're interested in. Those are both possibilities. But apparently neither of those are possibilities for one couple in Florida. Yep, this one's coming from uh, WorldNetDaily at WND.com. Um, not my favorite site, but uh, they they do get some interesting stories now and then about uh, civil rights violations. So does Huffington Post. I mean, they're, they're not. These are sites that have a particular tinge for the for the most part, and uh, they're they're worth what they're worth. Florida judge has ordered several children in a homeschooling family into public into public school district classes based on the gut reaction of a court appointee. Oh boy! In a divorce and custody case where homeschooling wasn't even an issue. The ruling now is on appeal to the Third District Court of Appeals in the Florida court system where arguments are mounting for the panel of justices to overturn the district court ruling. Names and ages of the children in the family are not being publicized, but an attorney handling the case, Karen J. Haas, has confirmed the basics. It was during the a routine hearing in which the education of the children who live with their mother was not an issue and was not expected to be a subject in the court opinion. According to court records, the father had not made education an issue before the hearing. Suddenly, a guardian ad litem in the case, a court appointee assigned to look after the best interests of the children, said that she had a gut reaction about homeschooling. You know what? Maybe the kids should have some socialization with other kids and go go to a small school, she said, according to court records. What is this socialization to which you refer? Uh, I guess it's where you force uh, children into a classroom with children they may not necessarily want to be with. I, I guess that's what that is, and it's interesting. Socialization involves being uh, basically, fo- what, what, when it's used in, in conjunction with school, forced to go to a place you don't want to go. Now, look, I understand maybe you don't want to be at home, too, but that's something that kind of has to be worked out in the family. But this socialization argument, when especially if applied to a public school, is just ridiculous. Really? I mean, is every public school the same? Is all that socialization? What is socialization? Because what I've seen from uh, homeschooling kids are young people that are among the you know the most polite and well-behaved individuals with whom I can have conversations whereas what i see with uh, school kids oftentimes is they act like kids now yeah here this Rude. is relatively new in human culture the idea that you would take a bunch of 7-year-olds and keep them all in one group or 9-year-olds or 11-year-olds or whatever it is because kids used to be even in the one room school they used to work with each other different age different different ages and thus you had uh, you know kids had an opportunity to see what an older kid acted like and older kids had the opportunity to see what adults acted like and that sort of thing well that's a level of socialization that you don't get today because uh, you know you're forcing a bunch of children to be together at the same age and wouldn't that kind of socialization be more valuable where they're socializing with people outside of their age group so therefore they're more well-rounded well i i've got to say that i kind of wonder um what the value is just this is just one person's thought on parenting and consider that you should have the ability to choose what you think on parenting but i speak to my son as though he's an adult or I do my best. I mean, I'm certainly not perfect at it, but I try to talk to Jack like he's an adult. And consequently, I expect him to act like adult, an adult more quickly than other kids who just hang out with kids their age. What value is that? 
Free Talk Live, seven nights a week from 7 to 10 Eastern, live on the Liberty Radio Network at lrn.fm. 